0: So, Pete, what are we talking about today?
1: Today, we're going to talk about a very special horror film that features a group of people fighting against demons using an artifact filled with the blood of Christ.
0: Pete, Pete, we just did that.
1: No, 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 not your silly nun movie. This is a better movie, a quality movie, a movie with a puppet. Saw? No, not that one. E- Welcome to Fearless Films. Films is a podcast where two horror movie buffs...
0: Hello there!
1: ...break down scary movies for the scaredy cats so they don't have to watch the movie.
0: What are, what are we talking about, Pete?
1: I'm telling you, this is the film that The Nun took its entire premise from.
0: Well, why didn't you just say that?
1: Because it was funnier the other way. <laughs> <laughs> and... This week's episode is in celebration of my birthday, so we're going to talk about one of my favorite horror movies of all time.
0: Happy birthday, Pete! Woo!
1: We are, of course, talking about the 1995 film Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. Ah. Knight with a K, if that wasn't <laughs> clear in audio format.
0: I don't I don't think they could see the words coming out of your mouth, so, uh...
1: Well, why not? Though well, maybe they should... We should upgrade on the patreon we can add that as a feature show words in real life
0: hey guys go support us on patreon <laughs> do do the thing
1: but yeah this movie is of course from the title you could probably tell a spin-off of the very popular hbo series tales from the crypt which ran for 7 seasons and is basically an anthology show where every episode is a new horror tale that were usually very r rated very explicit, and more often than not had sexual stuff going on. great sometime in the nineties, the creators of that show decided we're gonna jump into the movie business, and their plan was to create a trilogy of standalone movies that they would release you know year after year in theaters. They got through two of them before they bombed hard and didn't have any money left to keep going.
0: Oh, okay. Sad.
1: Yeah. This first one, Demon Knight, did okay, but not great in theaters, but their follow-up, Bordello of Blood, was just a complete, utter failure.
0: But that has such fun alliteration.
1: I know, right?
0: (laughs) Oh, that's sad.
1: Demon Knight is a... Standard 92 minutes long, and it features everyone. An entire cast of, oh, I know that person. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. (laughs) Including the likes of William Sadler, popular character actor who's been in lots of uh, Stephen King adaptations, but for me personally, my favorite role of his will always be the Grim Reaper himself in the Bill and Ted franchise.
0: Oh,
1: then you've got Billy Zane, uh, probably most popularly known as Rose's fiance, who she leaves for Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic.
0: I hate that movie.
1: But Billy Zane does have horror origins because one of his first movie roles ever was as a boyfriend-turned-victim in the film Critters. So good for him for keeping up with the genre. <laughs> but then we've got other powerhouse actors, such as a then relatively unknown Jada Pinkett before yeah. she was Smith. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church, way before he was Sandman or dude who drinks wine with Paul Giamatti in that wine movie. <laughs> <laughs> A CCH Pounder from you know such great drama TV dramas as The Shield and Sons of Anarchy. Who else we got in this friggin' movie? Dick Miller, a uh, legendary actor from all the way back in, like, I think, like, the 50s or 60s, who many people our age would know from, like, Gremlins and the Burbs and Small Soldiers. Mm-hmm. Charles Fleischer, who, once again, people our age would primarily know as the voice of Roger Rabbit.
0: Oh, man!
1: <sighs> yeah. It's really weird to see that as, like, a human person.
0: <laughs> That's also not a good IMDP. IMDb picture. That's, a uh, nope. Could have chosen a better one.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that's, there's a whole lot of known people in this movie. It's very fun to watch nowadays and see them, a lot of them before they were really big. Love it. So, do you want to know about this film and why The Nun completely ripped it off?
0: <laughs> I mean, you told me a little bit while I was going over The Nun, but please, go through the whole thing.
1: All right, let's do this. The movie opens with the classic intro to the TV show. The theme song plays as the camera, like, travels through this haunted house-looking place. And down deep in the depths underground beneath the house is where the Crypt Keeper hangs out, who's this sort of, like, you know, horror host-type character who's portrayed uh, via puppetry. He's, like, just an undead corpse and in the movie, they add the twist of he's not just presenting a story. He's currently in Hollywood directing his first feature film. And you see him on the set yelling at his actors and complaining most of the time. But Good then he says, and, uh, hey, here's a movie you can watch. And the Demon Knight proper starts. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie opens. To an awesome soundtrack, the song Hey Man, Nice Shot by the band Filter. Nice. And we see a man, William Sadler, racing down an isolated New Mexico road in the middle of the night, followed by another car that's being driven by Billy Zane. William Sadler's character's name is Frank Breaker, and Billy Zane's character never gets a name, so I'm probably just going to refer to him as Zane or Billy Zane for the rest of the movie. Okay. So Breaker's car runs out of gas, so he gets out, pulls out a rifle, and starts shooting at Billy Zane's car until, right as he's about to collide, Breaker jumps out of the way, the two cars hit each other, and massive explosion. Breaker's okay, looks at his hand, and you see that he's got all these tattoos of, like, stars on his palm, and they form, like, a semicircle with a few of them in the middle just sort of clustered, and two of those stars begin to glow with an orange light.
0: What the fuck? All right.
1: It's weird. So he looks troubled at that and runs off into the night, eventually making it to a side-of-the-road diner where he tries to steal a car from the parking lot. He's caught by a kid named Danny, who alerts his dad, the diner owner, who you pointed out, I didn't even recognize him, uh, just from the IMDB pictures. It's the guy who played Mordecai the Harbinger in Cabin in the Woods.
0: (laughs) He just looks so grumpy, I love it.
1: (laughs) So that guy runs out to confront the would-be thief, accompanied by Roach, played by Thomas Hayden Church, who is the diner's cook, and they scare Breaker off, and he gets away. And eventually, Breaker runs into a very drunk man named Willie, played by Dick Miller, who waxes poetic about God and creation, and then offers to share his bottle of whiskey. Cool. Uh, Breaker accepts and asks him if there's a place to bed down for the night, and... Willie's like, follow me, I'll show you where we can stay somewhere. I don't know why, you'd just be like, look at this clearly homeless man. He should know where I can be safe. (laughs) We then cut to a sheriff and his deputy, Deputy Bob, looking at the flaming car wrecks. When Billy Zane walks out, completely unharmed, totally unscathed, and claims to be a fellow lawman in pursuit of a wanted and dangerous criminal. Okay. Yeah, he asks the cops to take him to any local hotels to search for the man.
0: Does he have, like, ID or anything? Or are they just like, yeah, that sounds good.
1: Nope, he offers them nothing and they accept whatever he says without question. What the fuck? All right. (laughs) And the movie doesn't even play that as sort of like, you know, demonic magical powers or anything. It just is like a seemingly continuity error. They just are like, sure, whatever you say, buddy. All right. (laughs) So, uh, Willie leads Breaker to a nearby motel, which he explains was once a church, but was abandoned due to lack of interest, and was converted into the motel it is today.
0: Does it still look like a church, though?
1: Kind of. Like, yeah. the the you know, the outer building has the same churchy architecture, but, you know, that's about it. I don't really even really know why that, like, is a plot point. It doesn't come up at all in the future. Alright, well, fine. <laughs> Breaker looks at his hand as they approach, and he sees that the final star tattoo on his palm glows and moves into position and completes a circle of stars on his palm. I don't like it. <laughs> nope. Hey, I think there's a future in movable tattoos. I think we can do something with this.
0: <laughs> Trademark, everyone. Trademark.
1: <laughs> at the motel, we meet the some of the locals and the rest of our supporting cast, Prostitute Cordelia, who is dating uh, Roach from the diner. The owner of the motel, Irene, CCH Pounder, who is as surly as they come. <laughs> Wally, a disturbed postal worker who just got fired and is obsessed with Cordelia.
0: Okay. That's
1: uh, that's Roger Rabbit. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then there is Geraldine, Jada Pinkett's character, a young woman on a work release program from prison who works for Irene at the motel.
0: Okay, I'm having an issue that someone's someone that works at the diner is nicknamed Roach, but please continue.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Breaker goes in, pays for a room, you know, sits down to have a meal. A little later, Roach shows up and talks about the attempted carjacking at the diner, and then he and Cordelia go upstairs to his room to screw around, which is very loud and very over the top and oh, fitting course. for... Fitting for Tales from the Crypt. Lovely. <laughs> a suspicious Irene radios the cops in private about the stranger that just rented a room. So they're like, alright, this sounds like the man that you're chasing, Mr. Stranger who has no identification. Let's go check it out.
0: Okay, let's just, let's just lead everybody here. Here you go.
1: It's a very convenient script that gets everyone assembled very quickly. Okay. Soon after, the cops show up with Billy Zane, and they confront Breaker. He pulls a knife and grabs Geraldine as a hostage, but Billy Zane's like, "He won't hurt her. I know this man. He, he's just bluffing." And eventually, they call his bluff, and Breaker surrenders to the cops.
0: Oh, good. Okay.
1: They put cuffs on him, and uh, Billy Zane asks for an item that Breaker stole. That is, he's supposed to retrieve. He only says that it's some important, invaluable artifact.
0: Is it the blood of Christ?
1: We'll get there. Don't worry. I'm (laughs) building up suspense. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, he doesn't have it on him. So while searching his room for it, Deputy Bob gets distracted and walks in on Roach and Cordelia having sex that involves a car battery hooked up to Roach's nipples.
0: What the fuck?
1: Yep, I don't... It's just a thing. Like I said, this is very fitting for Tales from the Crypt.
0: Okay.
1: So Bob pulls them downstairs so that everyone's present for the questioning and arresting of the perp for whatever reason. I don't really know <laughs> why he needed to pull them downstairs. <laughs> they eventually find the artifact that appears to be a large metalworked key with a glass core full of red liquid in the middle of it. Yep. But before Zane can get his hands on it, the cops are radioed from the station, and they learn that a that both of the cars involved in the car crash were stolen. So now Billy Zane, his character, is suspicious as well. So they as they go to arrest him, he says, fuck this, spins around, and punches his fist straight through the sheriff's head. Oh, and then there's a whole hilarious scene where he's like struggling to get his fist unstuck and eventually just <laughs> rips the head clean <laughs> off of the body.
0: I like that. That's creative,
1: <laughs> yeah, this movie does have a a great deal of humor in it that like I thought was hilarious when I was a kid with the first time I watched this movie, and I still think is hilarious today, so it holds up well, good, good. I would say so in the chaos of everyone screaming and running around and freaking out. Uh, Breaker takes Deputy Bob's keys from his belt and frees himself from the handcuffs. He grabs the artifact and touches it to Billy Zane's face, which burns him. Oh! So Billy Zane fucking like kangaroo jumps out a window, and then outside of the motel, just on the on the lawn, just throws a hissy fit, essentially complaining about how humans are so annoying, and then cuts open his palm, which starts bleeding like bright green blood, and flicks it all around him on the ground, which then conjures a bunch of demons up from the earth itself to help him attack the hotel. What? What? Yeah.
0: This went from zero to 60. Very quick.
1: Oh, yeah. This movie just gets (laughs) going. It doesn't stop. And all these demons are like tall, gaunt, humanoid looking things with glowing green eyes and sharp claws and nasty looking skin. Lovely. We haven't talked about this movie yet on this podcast, but uh, I always say they basically just look exactly like Pumpkinhead from the horror movie Pumpkinhead. Oh, okay. So if you you look up two pictures, you'll see the resemblance. Got it. (laughs) Breaker grabs the sheriff's revolver and reveals the demon's weakness, which is if you damage their eyes in any way, they will violently explode, which he explains is the freeing of their tortured souls.
0: Okay, now we're trying to go deep. Okay.
1: Yeah, so he starts shooting demons in the face left and right, and then when he has a moment of, like, uh, you know, calm in the storm, he secures the motel by opening up a, like, a, a, he twists off a cap on the artifact, and he pours a drop of blood on the door and window frames, which, when he does that, creates a magical seal that prevents the demons from crossing through without being obliterated. Oh,
0: okay, helpful.
1: Yeah, pretty cool. I like this artifact. It's very useful. (laughs) And so he's basically like, all right, I've sealed this place in. We're safe. Everybody just be cool and stay here. And immediately Roach is like, fuck this guy. I'm going to make a run for it. And he grabs Cordelia and is like, let's go and get to my truck. But they are immediately attacked by demons outside. Shocker. So Roach, proving very quickly the kind of character he is in a horror movie ditches Cordelia on the front lawn and just runs back inside as fast as he can. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. A demon, like, grabs her. She punches it in the face, but unfortunately it has no effect. Of course. And then Wally runs outside, having grabbed uh, one of the other cop's guns and saves her by shooting the demon, but the explosion injures him. He's not dead, but he's, like, knocked out for a while. Okay. Okay. And then the others pull them back inside to safety. So now, Breaker explains that the monsters are in fact demons from hell. And they just have to survive until daybreak and the demons will scatter and they'll be safe.
0: Uh, Okay, that, alright.
1: We're laying out some rules. Just, you know, bear with me. It'll all make sense as we go on. Roach immediately, once again, is like, no, I'm going to be contrarian, and is like, why don't we just give them what they want? Uh, We don't owe anything to this stranger anyway. But Breaker counters that they'll just kill you regardless, even if you help them, because they're demons and they're not to be trusted. Yeah. He also warns that that head demon, played by Billy Zane, will try to tempt and or possess any one of them to get to the others. And he declares that he is willing to kill, Breaker is willing to kill any of them if they threaten his mission.
0: Okay, we've laid very tight ground
1: rules. Yes, we know where everyone stands at this point. (laughs) Got it. Breaker then goes up to the second floor to finish sealing any more windows or openings with the substance from the key. As he's up there, he sees a stained glass window with a cross on it. I guess the church thing does come back into play. I I forgot about that. Uh, But he sees the stained glass window and immediately has, like, a flashback or a vision to the crucifixion of Christ. And in this vision, he sees a man holding the key artifact as it is struck by lightning from heaven. And there's, like, a demon nearby that's, like, flinching away from the light of God. But he's broken out of his hallucination when Geraldine comes up behind him and startles him.
0: Okay, again... Why did people sit there like, oh, this will come in handy later and collect the blood of Christ?
1: You will. you'll learn. Don't worry. Oh, I will.
0: <laughs> Fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah. So he, they sit down and chat and he apologizes to Geraldine about holding the knife to her earlier. But she says she believed that he wouldn't hurt her. Like she felt something from him that instinctively she knew he wasn't going to do anything to her. And she asks who he is really. And he just replies, an old man running out of time. Sad. Meanwhile, downstairs, Roach continues to be a piece of shit. First by trying to convince Wally to help him steal the key and give it back to the demons. And then by threatening and hitting Cordelia when she tries to tell him to fuck off. Mmm. Yeah. So, after that, while alone and crying, Cordelia hears Billy Zane's voice in her head. And he's sympathizing with her and saying sweet words of comfort and she looks out the window and sees him staring up at her, and he's just, like, bathed in this, like, glow, like, this heavenly glow. And he, like, raises his hand in a caress, and she smiles as she actually feels, like, his hand on her cheek, even though they're, like, separated by distance. Creepy. And then he just keeps whispering in her mind, let me in, over and over again, Ugh. as she seems to go into, like, a trance. Nope. <laughs> So, soon after that, Wally goes to Cordelia's room to check on her, and she says that she should have been with him all this time, and that she loves him, and, like, basically is just, you know, enacting every fantasy that he ever had about her, and they begin to kiss. The scene cuts away from that, and we realize that there might be... Another way into the motel that nobody was aware of because Geraldine's cat shows up, which was left outside before all the demons started attacking. Oh, kitty. Yeah. Don't worry, the kitty, as far as I understand, does not die at all in the rest of the movie.
0: Oh, good. Thank you.
1: (laughs) It's a real alien situation here. Despite all the chaos, the cat survives.
0: Well, good.
1: So Breaker's, like, freaking out because he's like, shit, if there's another way in here, we gotta seal it up. And... They go to the basement where they find an entrance to old abandoned mine shafts. Which, once again, exposition Willie is just like, "Oh yeah, there's mines all over this county and stuff, and they connect here and there and everywhere." Because this character exists to just tell us about things.
0: <laughs> you didn't want to mention that at the beginning, Willie. He
1: was—he's constantly drunk. He doesn't remember these things oh, well unless then. it's important. <laughs> okay, well, it was important, but all right. The group wants to try to escape, but Breaker insists that it will be safer to just be, stay put. He's like, "I can't protect you in those tunnels if we go in there." But before a decision can be made, the group is interrupted when they hear Wally screaming for his life. Oh no. So everybody runs back upstairs. This movie's like Clue because it involves a group of people running back up and down stairs <laughs> all over a, a big building. It's I, I the connection just came to me, but I see it now. I love it. <laughs> And upstairs, they find a demonically possessed Cordelia literally tearing Wally to pieces. Oh. A fight ensues, and in the struggle, at one point, Irene gets her left arm completely torn off. Oh. But Breaker manages to kill Demon Cordelia, uh, I believe with a shotgun or something, before anyone is killed. They tie off Irene's arm and argue about going into the mines again. And despite Breaker's objections, they all head down to try to escape, and he reluctantly follows. Great. So as they're breaking open the entrance to the mine, because it's like behind some shelving, so they gotta smash it open with a sledgehammer, Breaker has another flashback to the crucifixion, and we see a man standing underneath Christ, filling up the key artifact with his blood, which then hurts a demon that reaches out to try to steal the key from this man. Okay breaker snaps out of it again and then everyone goes into the tunnel and he follows in the rear and he makes sure to seal the entrance to the tunnel behind them with the blood so if they need to retreat they'll be safe smart it's one of those fun horror movies that actually does have in- uh, like a f- more than a few intelligent characters that do smart things so it's fun to cheer for them and hope that they win
0: good i like those yeah they're rare
1: yeah, too rare, I would say. <laughs> in the tunnels, they stumble upon the little boy from the diner, Danny, who says he's hiding from his parents who have begun acting violent and strange. Oh. Of course, then they, those two said parents immediately attack the group, forcing them to flee back to the motel.
0: There it is, no tunnels.
1: They are safe behind the seal, but Roach, in true form, fucks it up for them again when... He grabs a shotgun and, like, the demons are on the other side of the seal. And he, like, points the gun at the diner owner who, you know, was his former boss and is like, fuck you! And shoots him in the face. And the resulting demonic explosion blows up the seal so the demons are able to get in through the basement tunnel entrance.
0: <sighs> Why? Because
1: <laughs> this character exists solely to suck. Uh,
0: okay. Okay.
1: So everybody flees the basement, runs up to the first floor, the demons follow, so they run up to the second floor landing, and they're safe there because earlier during the demon Cordelia fight, the key had been, like, knocked to the ground at one point, and it dripped blood on the edge of the second floor landing, and sealed it, and nobody, like, noticed that, but now that they're up there, they see that the demons won't follow them up, and that they're safe for the time being. Good. So everybody is sitting down, catching their breaths, having a brief respite, when Breaker has yet another flashback, this time to himself as a soldier in what appears to be World War I.
0: Oh, he's a very old man. I mean, obviously, you've the crucifixion, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he wasn't at the crucifixion, he just has memories. Got
0: it! Okay.
1: Which is all explained now, because he finally... He snaps out of his vision, and he's like, I'm going to lay it out for all of you so you finally get what the stakes are here and hopefully stop fucking things up. <laughs> and he he starts us by saying, like, when he first showed up that this night, he thought they would be safe because there was only five people at the motel. But then the cops came, and it made seven, and he says that these are important signs, like seven people, seven sacrifices. It all lines up, and it's all part of the demon's plan seven is a very uh, special number and all of that stuff yep yeah so he explains starting from the beginning when God created the universe he made the heavens and he made earth and before he created light the darkness was inhabited with monsters and demons that roamed free everywhere and these demons had seven keys that gave them control over the universe until God made light and that light scattered the keys and banished the demons to hell. So, he says, Fast forward about two or three million millennia, and the demons have reacquired six of the keys from across the cosmos and have located the seventh key here on Earth. Great. (laughs) Yeah. To save the key, God commanded a thief to take the key to the hill and fill it with the blood of Jesus after he was crucified. Got it. Yeah, there you go. There's your answer. Thank you. This this thief became the first guardian of the key. And each successive guardian refills the vial with their own blood when they die and pass the key on to a new protector. Breaker says he received the key when his commanding officer passed it on to him in World War I. And when you get the key and become its protector, the tattoos of stars appear on your palm and over time they'll start aligning into that circle and you know that your time is almost up when the circle is complete and that you need to find a new guardian.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. So he basically says to sum it all up, this key is standing is what stands between, you know, life continuing as normal and demons rising again and destroying everything that we know. Cool.
0: Cool. No
1: pressure. No pressure. None. After he's done telling his story, because this is a horror movie and Danny is a child, Danny has gone missing, and everyone splits up to go look for him.
0: (laughs) But of course.
1: But just before Breaker walks away from the main group, Roach pickpockets the key from him. Oh, for fuck's sake, Roach. Yep. I'm done with Roach. (laughs) He just does not stop. So... While everyone's split up and looking for the kid, while she's alone, Billy Zane enters Geraldine's head and tempts her with freedom, fame, and riches. She literally spits on his offer and so he fades away from her mind. Lovely. Elsewhere, the rest of the group finds Willie and the kid up in the attic where the kid is reading some comic books that he's found, which are literally tales from the Crypt comic books. <laughs> And Willie is drinking some alcohol that was stashed up there, and Irene yells at him because, you know, she doesn't want him drinking all the time. But, you know, doesn't really offer much help other than just yelling at him. Yeah. (laughs) So she scolds Willie, takes the drink from him, and tells him to take the kid back downstairs where it's safe. They head back down, but when Willie and Danny open a door to one of the rooms... In Willie's eyes, it transforms into a Hawaiian-themed bar filled with beautiful, topless women who are fawning all over him. Oh. Billy Zane is the bartender there and offers Willie a drink, who accepts it and downs it in one go. Cut back to In the Attic, Irene and Deputy Bob are digging through some of the stuff up there, and they actually find, earlier in the movie when I said that Wally, the postman, had been recently fired from from his job... It was because his boss accused him of stealing mail, and (laughs) they find all of the stolen mail hidden up in this attic. (laughs) They also find Wally's small arsenal of guns, with no bullets in them, however, and a harness covered in grenades as a sort of improvised suicide vest, and a suicide note saying that Wally was planning to get his revenge on his old boss. Oh, Yeah. He was very unhinged. <laughs> getting that. Just then, in another hilarious moment in this movie, Billy Zane floats up, like, through the trap door entrance to the attic, and he has, like, like literally a, a covered silver platter, and he uncovers it, and Irene's arm is sitting on it, and he's like, if you give me what I want, I'll restore your body to its whole, you know, undamaged state again. the hell? And... Irene's response is like she raises her stump at him, and he's like, is that a yes? And she responds, no, that's me giving you the finger, asshole. (laughs) So he, you know, disappears because another person has rebuffed his attempts to tempt and possess. On the second floor, Breaker and Geraldine go to find the others and are attacked by a now-possessed Willie. Great. Geraldine grabs a knife, but has never hurt anyone before and hesitates and begs Willie to stop choking out Breaker because he's got both of his hands around his throat. Willie just smacks her to the ground, uh, but Breaker manages to grab a machete that was, like, mounted on a wall nearby. There's lots of, like, hunting paraphernalia in this room they're in for some reason. Sure. And he decapitates Willie in one swipe. Oh, Unfortunately... That does not kill him because he did not damage the eyes. So, Willie's headless body continues attacking Breaker. <laughs> Luckily, Danny picks up Willie's head and impales it on some, like, antler horns that are hanging on the wall, which finally puts him down for good. Fantastic. At the same time, uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, out on the second floor landing, Roach is trying to cut a deal with Billy Zane uh, because, you know, he stole the key earlier. So Billy Zane walks up the stairs and he's like, You just, you know, pass that through the barrier, hand it to me, and I'll let you go free and make sure that none of the demons hurt you on your way out. And, like, it's literally just him standing there with, like, a cadre of demons who are all just sort of, like, chilling out and waiting. <laughs> Lovely. It's not going to go well. He hands him the key, who, which, you know, Billy Zane doesn't touch it, he just puts it in a case. And then he asks Roach to, like, wipe away the blood seal so that they can pass onto the second floor, which he does. Because he's a complete piece of shit, not like a halfway piece of shit. And then Roach goes to leave and he's like, you know, you demons aren't so bad. And he's like, oh, I appreciate that. Uh, But then right as Roach is about to go out the front door, Billy Zane's like, oh, one last thing before you go. I lied. And then the demons swarm Roach and tear him to pieces. Well, duh. Yeah. Anyone could have seen that coming. So, uh, Breaker sees this and, like, retreats back into the room full of hunting shit. And when Billy Zane comes, up, comes upstairs to kill the rest of them, he pops out of hiding and shoots Billy Zane in the face with a bow and arrow. <laughs> which causes him to drop the key, which Breaker scoops back up and retreats. The group then goes to flee into the attic as the last place to hide. And as, like, demons are coming at them from all angles, they're fighting them off with, like, what little guns and ammo they have left. And Deputy Bob just says he's going to cover the rear so that the rest of them can get upstairs into the attic. And Irene stays with him, and they both fire until their guns are out of ammo. And Irene dons the suicide vest, and the two of them stay there and both pull the pins together and blow up, like, the whole swarm of demons. Oh. They went out like heroes. Yeah. So up in the attic now it's just Breaker, Geraldine and Danny are the only ones left. Danny is in a corner reading his comic book to comfort himself, but then the eyes of the monster in the comic book come to life and stare directly into his eyes.. Oh. But while that's happening, unbeknownst to the other characters, uh, Breaker says he's got like just enough blood left to cover one more entrance. so Geraldine's like get that window over there. But as he's walking over, he instead pours the blood on her hand, and he's like, well, this will protect you. And she says, no way. And she wipes it on the windowsill to protect all of them. And Breaker's like, that was a selfless act. I think I found my replacement. Yeah. But before she can react, demon-possessed Danny attacks both of them all of a sudden and fatally wounds Breaker by stabbing him in the chest. Of course. Jeralene pulls Danny off of him and then kicks Danny through the now blood-sealed window, which destroys him completely. And then a dying Breaker tells Geraldine that she's ready for this mission and refills the key with his own blood and gives it to her. She's, she tries to deny this responsibility, saying that she isn't the right person for the job, but he correctly deduces that she had earlier resisted the demon's temptations. When she confirms this, he says that makes her the perfect person for the job. He then officially marks her palm with the key, wherein she gains the memories of the crucifixion and all the memories of every guardian of the key up until the present day. Goodness. Yeah. that's a, a headache. <laughs> the stars' tattoos are now on her palm, and Breaker tells her it may take one lifetime or it may take many lifetimes, but eventually the stars will align and she'll do for someone else what he just did for her. And his last words before he dies are, Watch your back. After that, Billy Zane rises up through the attic entrance and finds Breaker's dead body, but Geraldine and the key are nowhere in sight. But he knows she's hiding up there somewhere, and he starts like taunting her and goading her to come out. Geraldine does come out of hiding, covered in blood... And Billy Zane's like, oh, you must be in so much pain. Look at you. And then she grabs him and says, it's not my blood. And it starts burning him as we realize she covered herself in the blood from the vial. Oh, good move. So he, uh, he flees back downstairs to the second floor. She follows him intent on finishing him off. But as she's exploring the second floor... Billy Zane jumps out from behind her and wraps her in, like, a shower curtain so that, like, he's not physically touching her. Mm. And then, like, body slams her into a tub and turns on the shower to wash all the blood off of her. Shit. He then grabs her hand and, like, forces her to pour out what's left in the key. But she wrenches her hand away and, like, jabs him in the eye with it. Which stuns him momentarily, and when he's not looking, she drinks what's left of the blood and, like, holds it in her mouth. Yep. And so, Billy Zane recovers from the attack and laughs at her attempt to destroy him through his eyes, saying that that's only a weakness of lesser demons. Excuse me, Billy Zane. I know, right? He then wraps her back up in the shower curtain and literally drags her to the first floor, like, all the way down the stairs and everything. Rude. Rude. And while gloating about his victory, he then makes a surprising move and offers Jeraline to join him on the demonic side. In a moment very reminiscent of uh, Liar Liar, he claims to love Jeraline, even though he literally can't say the word love because he's a demon. Dumbass. (laughs) Her silence serves as a no for him, and he says, fuck it, and moves like he's and says he's going to cut her heart out for turning him down. And right when he gets up in front of her, she spits the holy blood in his face.
0: Fantastic.
1: Which causes him to burst into flames and revert into his true demonic form, which is like a winged, horrifying-looking devil thing, before ex- like dying in a massive explosion.
0: Oh, well, there you go. So they just all explode when they die. That's a thing now. Yeah.
1: Exploding is a theme for demons dying in this universe. Okay. <laughs> Geraldine is saved by the blood, and so she's, like, completely unharmed by the explosion, and she wakes up as the morning light rises over the horizon. Cute. She packs up some stuff, refills the key with more of Breaker's blood from his body, and heads out to start her own journey. We cut to, like, later in the same day as she's at a bus stop on the side of the road. She boards the bus and seals the doorway behind her with the blood. And at the next bus stop down the road, a black man dressed similarly to how Billy Zane was dressed is waiting, but when the door opens, he stops and looks around and simply tells the bus driver that he'll wait for the next one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And so the mysterious stranger and Geraldine stare each other down through the window as the bus moves on, and then the man begins to follow on foot while whistling the Tales from the Crypt theme song. <laughs> And then the very end of the movie, as we cut back to the uh, the you know, Crypt Keeper segment, as he's arriving at the big premiere of his movie, but at the red carpet, he finds a guillotine waiting for him that he says was sent by his producers because they found him to be too difficult to work with. So <laughs> the movie ends with the Crypt Keeper getting decapitated, and then his laughing head rolls off as the credits begin to roll. I like it. And that is Demon Knight. Nice. It's a fun little movie that I cannot do justice to the humor of it by just talking about it, but I I must say, Billy Zane, in this movie as the bad guy, is my favorite villain in anything ever. Wow. he just looks like he's having so much fun being evil. <laughs> That's a big
0: statement coming from you.
1: Oh my god, I judge all villains off of Billy Zane in this film. Oh, because that's like it makes sense. To me. <laughs> like like a realistic villain, you expect to be like troubled and like messed up and disturbed and whatever. But like a demon is a being who is evil by its nature. So you gotta imagine them doing bad stuff is fun for them. Right. And that's how he plays this character. <laughs> And he's just making jokes and dancing and just, like, having a grand old time the whole movie. I love it. (laughs) I need to watch this. Oh, yeah. He is so funny in this film. And he's, like, so charismatic. And, like, this movie makes me upset that Billy Zane didn't have, like, a bigger career. I'm like, he should have been a leading man in things. He should have been, like, the charming super spy or something in an action movie.
0: Yeah. Why not?
1: And everyone else is great in it, too. Like... Everyone's on their A-game, even just, like, the smaller character-actor-type parts. Um, the special effects are are great. All the demons are practical effects. They're all just, like, people in suits and shit. And, like, you get plenty of blood, plenty of, like, ewy-gooey stuff, like, with the demons and their whole deal. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, I think, like, the only, like, CG effects in the movie... Uh, are like when they create the magical seal on like doorways and stuff, it does make this like weird like sheen in the air that's you can tell is like computer created. Yeah, but most of the time they just sort of cut away and like there's like a red glow that accompanies it. So like to save money, you can tell that they would cut away most of the time they would do it and just shine like a red light on a person in the in the scene, just to indicate like the magic's happening, but you know <laughs> over there. <laughs> And then, like, whenever the demons die, like, by getting their eyes damaged, like, green-looking, like, lightning would shoot out. You know, like, the Emperor in Star Wars. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Which looks pretty cool. And then it would be accompanied by, like, practical little explosions that were actually on the set, so it comes together nicely.
0: Nice. I like practical
1: effects. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) In my research of the film, it appears that, like... This was based off of a script that had been written many years before in, like, 1987. You know, a script that was made before even the show existed. And it passed from, like, director to director until eventually ending up in the hands of the director of this movie, Ernest Dickerson, who also has done such films as Bulletproof, which was, like, a comedy cop film starring Adam Sandler and Damon Wayans in the 90s. Hmm. And the and Dickerson has also worked on television series including Once Upon a Time, The Wire, Dexter, and The Walking Dead. Fabulous. So yeah, he must have been totally fine stepping onto the set of The Walking Dead after doing a movie like this. It's just like, I can handle practical <laughs> effects. This is no, no problem. Right? Yeah. At one point, I guess the script was in the hands of... Uh, Charles Band in his full moon features, you know, the dude who made the puppet master movies that I love so much. Yes. And I'm like, that would have been just as great if he did it, but it also would have had like half the budget. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, eventually it ended up where it did, and they tied it in to their idea like the people who make Tales from the Crypt tied it into their idea of doing a bunch of Tales from the Crypt movies. And Speaking of its budget, this movie was made for $12 million in, once again, 1995. Goodness. And it scored $21 million at the box office. So not a, like, super great success, but not an outright bomb. Yeah. It was enough for them to follow up, like I said, with a film with a film the very next year, Bordello of Blood, which was about vampires and starred Corey Feldman and Dennis Miller. Okay. which did not do nearly as well as this movie and that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> also the reception to this film uh about you what you would expect from something of this caliber like a schlocky fun horror comedy in that the critics didn't like it too much but audiences thought it was okay. Okay. Specifically, on Rotten Tomatoes it has 37% and is rated rotten from critics. Mm but has a fresh 64% score with audiences. There it is. Looking at some of the choice critic quotes, I have to strongly disagree with this variety critic who said, the pick is neither funny enough nor scary enough to be fully satisfying is either a shocker or a spoof. And I say, bite your tongue, this movie's hilarious.
0: <laughs> it sounded pretty funny. <laughs>
1: one of the positive reviews says between the scenes of spat- a splattering gore in which severed heads literally roll across across the floor the movie has a good time spoofing itself and a gallery of mostly sleazy characters who confronts a crew of bloodthirsty demons <laughs> nice Roger Ebert was still alive when this came out does he do a review? I can't find a Roger Ebert quote and that makes me sad because he always has something terrible to say about horror movies he does,
0: I've yeah, I've noticed that pattern
1: in a retrospective review, Chris Eggertson of BloodyDisgusting.com called this movie one of the most underrated genre entries of the 90s, Ooh. and I would agree with that. I don't think it's talked about nearly enough today, and I think people should go back and revisit this film, because it's a good time.
0: It definitely, I can see how it might be more of like a cult classic kind of thing.
1: Yeah. But it, I mean, it's definitely not for everyone, but I think hardcore horror people should enjoy this. It,
0: Sounded very entertaining to me. (laughs) Struggling to pull his hand back out from somebody's head. That's great.
1: Oh my god, that whole scene, he's just, like, struggling with it. (laughs) fantastic. But yeah, this movie's fun. It's bloody. It's, you know, it's never boring. It's, like, constantly just moving forward, keeping you entertained. So, you can't ask for much more. I like it. I do know... For a fact that there is like a collector's edition Blu-ray that you can get that has a bunch of cool special features on it. I have it on my Amazon wish list as we speak. And for anyone that wants to watch it online, you can rent it from, you know, Apple TV, Amazon Prime for like four bucks, which I'd say it's worth the rent. Yeah. So what do you say? Are we going to like have a movie night and check this out?
0: Yeah, this sounds very entertaining.
1: <laughs> I think you would enjoy it. I I mean, I might even be willing to double feature it with Bordello of Blood, just so you can see how bad that one is in comparison.
0: (laughs) Which is upsetting, because, like I said, the alliteration.
1: I know. Oh, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's at least, like, so bad it's good. I haven't watched it in a few years, but I do remember seeing it, like, in my 20s and not being impressed.
0: It's like, um, The Season of the Witch and Halloween. Great title! Why did you waste the
1: title? (laughs) Exactly. And Bordello of Blood, your enjoyment of it, like, largely hinges on how much you can stand Dennis Miller and his I'm a smarmy, smart guy style of humor, which is just what he is for the entire movie.
0: Great. (laughs) Lovely.
1: So, yeah, maybe we'll do this as a double feature sometime.
0: We have a lot of double features.
1: (laughs) So many movies. Got a lot to do. We mostly covered it. I think all horror people should see this movie. Uh, for people who are new to horror, uh, it might be a little bit much. Like I said, it's it's very R-rated. There's a lot of boobs in this movie. There's a weird sex scene. Uh, there's intense gore. So maybe not as someone's first horror movie, even if yeah. it is very funny.
0: <laughs> I can see how that could be an issue.
1: What's in a name? So, Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. And the word, like, the title Demon Knight is used once in the entire movie when Billy Zane is trying to uh, seduce Geraldine to join him at the end. He does say, he's like, you know, a demon's never converted a demon knight to our side before. And, like, you're like, oh, so is that what people who protect the key are called? Demon knights? I I guess that kind of makes sense. Except... They're a knight, but they're not a demon. They fight demons.
0: That's confusing.
1: Shouldn't they be holy knights or something?
0: So, Breaker is the demon knight?
1: Yeah, and then Geraldine becomes the demon knight at the end. I feel like. I don't. Go ahead. You go first. Nope. No, you go first. <laughs>
0: I feel like the name would make more sense if they actually referred to him as a demon knight more than once. Like, I understand, yeah. like, I under, like, the movie's, like, mostly, like, him fighting the thing. Like, I get it, but you could have just called it Tales from the Crypt Breaker.
1: <laughs> and it would have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just a throwaway line, so it doesn't feel like it has any importance. And I think, I also think Kevin would be annoyed at this title just because, you know, they're not demons who are knights. So it doesn't make any sense.
0: Right, it would make more sense for... Billy Zane to be the demon knight like that's not explained very well
1: (laughs) and I mean what's funny is that Billy Zane is the character who's on the poster not William Sadler
0: (laughs) all right that's even more confusing
1: (laughs) yeah so we're gonna have to give this movie a a failing grade for its title unfortunately I agree wholeheartedly (laughs) it does not stand up to scrutiny should this movie be remade? I don't know. I don't think we're at that point yet. I think it still holds up and I don't think it needs to be remade.
0: It already was. We talked about it last week.
1: Oh yeah, good point. The <laughs> nun. <laughs> how do you feel about that now by the way? Do you understand now why I kept getting excited and being like, "I know that plot point?" <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just in just in the mythology sense. Like the stories are completely different, but like how weird is it that two different screenwriters were like A special artifact filled with the blood of Christ gathered at his crucifixion.
0: I mean, it's also possible the screenwriter saw this and then was like, that's cool.
1: (laughs) See, that's what I'm saying. I think the nun is just somebody, it's the Crib Notes version of Demon Knight.
0: (laughs) I mean, I, I still like the nun.
1: I still want to see it now. You turned me around. I thought it was, I like, I saw the previews, I read the reviews, and I'm like, oh, I probably won't like that. But your description intrigues me. Hooray. My wife disagrees, though. She has seen it, and she's like, don't watch that movie, Pete. And I'm like, I wanna.
0: <laughs> okay, me and her don't always agree on movies, though. So, <laughs> that's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, it is kind of funny, because it fo- kind of follows the like, the story of this script in general, how it had passed between many different people before it was eventually made, The Nun is just, like, the next step in, well, if it hadn't been made into Demon Knight, it would have been made into The Nun. Right! <laughs> I feel like it just spiritually kept traveling and was remade sort of unintentionally.
0: Yeah! Because it, like, in The Nun, it's like this evil that, like, breaks out of, somebody, like, breaks it out of hell over it. Yeah!
1: Yeah! Really, all the nun's missing is Billy Zane. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, he should be in more movies in general.
0: Maybe if Billy Zane was the nun, your wife would have liked the movie more.
1: Maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, so one other thing that, I mean, a very specific niche of people would know Billy Zane from is he voiced the villain in the very first Kingdom Hearts game. Uh, a PlayStation video game from back in the day, oh. and my wife loves Kingdom Hearts, as do I. So I think you're. I think Billy Zane would have turned her around on the nun if he were in that film. Kingdom Hearts
0: <laughs> is fantastic. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would have never connected that if you didn't just say that.
1: Yeah, well, it's like it's it's the only game in that series that he does the voice of the villain in, and in every subsequent game, the villain's voiced by different people and. They never brought him back, and it makes me upset because he's the best voice of that villain. Of
0: course he is. Like,
1: Billy Zane plays good villains.
0: (laughs) And yet, we don't have
1: him in enough stuff. Yep. Much to my chagrin. All right. Well, we're winding down now. This has been a very fun birthday movie for me to review and talk about and share with you. What have you and I learned from Demon Kinnigit? Ooh. Ooh,
0: what have I learned? <laughs>
1: um. <laughs> I mean, the. I think the obvious scene, the obvious thing is when you're with a group of people and demons are threatening your lives, do not make deals with the demons. <laughs> Work with the group. Be a community, you know?
0: I feel like you should already know not to make a deal with a demon, but yes.
1: <laughs> don't don't turn on each other,
0: dumbass.
1: <laughs> uh, f- for me, I think uh, the the specific lesson I learned is that if you lie convincingly enough, the police will believe anything you say. <laughs> if you're you know handsome like Billy Zane, <laughs> so don't he- supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, e- the boys in Supernatural, didn't they at least have fake IDs and stuff?
0: Yeah, after a while, they kind of stopped showing them to you, though.
1: It's just they walked with confidence, and they acted like they belonged, and it worked, right? Yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: um, I... A lot of what I learned goes against my normal thing, like smearing blood on things and listening to the <laughs> mysterious guy that's suddenly in your
1: diner. <laughs> It is a little counterintuitive, yeah.
0: Um, I learned that if you're at a diner and there's a guy named Roach, maybe don't trust him.
1: Definitely don't eat any food he makes. No. I can't imagine he was very good at his job.
0: Like, of all nicknames, guys, come on.
1: <laughs> 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 that's that's like the number one thing you don't want to see in a diner, is a roach.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Alright, well, as the Crypt Keeper would say... That's all for tonight, ghouls and gals. Oh, boy. He, oh, he makes bad puns. That's like the that entire character. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun. I hope you had fun. It's
0: fantastic.
1: And to all of our fans at home, I hope you all had fun as well. And remember the most important lesson, don't get too scared.